Greetings, Asalaamu Alaikum, welcome everyone. My name is Saqib, your host on the Hikmah Project. I pray you are all well and uh, I'm very much looking forward to the uh, blessed month of Ramadan. Uh, inshallah, this um, coming month we will be starting a uh, Ramadan circle on Ibn Arabi's uh, Mysteries of Fasting with uh, Sheikh Hussam Hassan and we'll be reading the chapter from the Fatuhat um, and that's every Sunday, there's more details on the website and we may also have a mystical Quran reading circle with uh, Ibn Ajiba in which we take the mystical commentary and share verses um, and commentary which haven't been translated before and also have a regular Zikr circle so do get in touch if that interests you um, as ever, uh, your contributions and donations are very much appreciated. It helps us develop programs and initiatives and uh, gives us the scope to then grow. So if you click on access on the website, there are links for monthly or one-off um, contributions which you can make. This month, just to give you the heads up, I'm inshallah also speaking to um, Dr. Fozia who is a, a, a Sufi teacher and the daughter-in-law of Sidi Muhammad Jamal. Uh, and God willing, I'll have a podcast with her, which I'll publish as soon as I can. Uh, she's one of the most creative, humour-filled, uh, wise Sufi teachers that I've met. So I'm very much looking forward to speaking to her. Um, right, so in today's podcast, we will be hearing from Sheikh Osama Hassan. Um, I initially met Sheikh Osama some years ago. I bumped into him in a park and uh, around that time I'd been reading his fatwa on fasting and um, I remember there was a debate around how many hours you should fast in the summer period. My friends in the Maria Mia Tarika had um, intuitively or through following legal opinions from you know traditional scholars had been uh, taking a more flexible approach during the summer periods and had, I think, equated the fasting period to that of the days in um, fasting in, in Mecca. Um, and so they were taking that approach and I was looking into the various opinions. So I came across his fatwa in terms of your health and having a balanced approach to Ramadan in, in times when it goes beyond the fasting period, can extend beyond the 16-hour period. And so I bumped into him and we had a conversation and um, to my surprise, I, he was actually quite steeped into Ibn Arabi and he um, is somebody who reads the Fatuhat al-Makiya in Arabic very regularly and um, feels there hasn't been, he hasn't come across a text like this. Um, and um, I was quite fascinated by his, um, A, being a trained uh, imam, um, and a muhaddith, that uh, chain of um, hadith transmission which goes through Shah Waliullah of Delhi. Um, but then also having read Western metaphysics or, you know, Sean and Prindlism and René Guénon, uh, as well as then being deeply interested in Ibn Arabi. Uh, and on top of that, being a trained physicist. So he is a astronomer and a physicist. He's got an MA in physics, theoretical physics, from the University of Cambridge. Um, some of his teachers include the late 
Professor Stephen Hawkins. Uh, and uh, there's more details on the website about his um, very academic, interesting background. Alhamdulillah. So today he'll be reading from, I think it's chapter 66 from the Futuhat on the purification of the Gnostics. And it's the poem that he'll be reading to us which actually starts the chapter off. And um, this sort of sets the scene for the chapter on fasting course that we'll be running with him. Um, from the Sheikh's, Sheikh Al-Akbar Ibn Arabi's perspective, he has this whole section on the Sharia that contains this inner sort of mysteries or secrets. And so as we see with Ibn Arabi, he doesn't make a distinctive distinction between uh, the outer and inner, but they did interdependent and legal opinions um, law, grammar, metaphysics are all seamlessly integrated in the Akbarian perspective. And so um, Sheikh Osama has a reading on the, um, which you can argue is actually a summary of the chapter in poetical form on the purification. I believe the, the follow-on chapters once, I think it's about 80 pages on purification, and then after that there's various sections on um, salah and fasting and hajj and the various other pillars of Islam which Ibn Arabi then goes on to discuss um, he has a much more mystical I would say perspective than Imam al-Ghazali's Ahiyya al-Muddin which obviously was a phenomenal piece of work which has inspired people till this day uh, in terms of seeing the inner path of the Sobhuf as being an integral part of the deen not just one third of it in terms of the dimension of Hassan, but actually one that encompasses every dimension. So with Sheikh Al-Akbar, I think he just goes into it uh, a lot more deeply and takes it to a completely different level and um, finds the highest metaphysical and esoteric meaning in in the smallest of things from the fluctuations in you know grammatical syntax to the root words to legal opinions. It's it's quite fascinating. So, without further ado, here's the podcast. Assalamu alaikum, Sidi. Alaikum assalam wa Welcome to the Hikmah Project. So wonderful to finally have you with us. Thank you, alhamdulillah. I'm honoured to be here. Alhamdulillah. So, Sidi, I believe today we plan to delve into Sheikh Al-Akbar's perspective on the inner dimensions of uh, the Sharia. Um, so where where do we start, and what do you suggest we we start with and talk about? All right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So, as you mentioned, and as one writer says, that this is one of the most extraordinary pieces of writing, actually, in any mystical literature anywhere, uh, but certainly within the Islamic tradition is Sheikh Al-Akbar's Futuhat al-Makiyya, chapter 66 onwards, from the first volume of the printed edition, where he says, the, the chapter is in recognizing the secret of the Sharia, that's the Islamic sacred law and ethics, outwardly and inwardly, and which divine name brought it into being, and so he starts with an introduction about the 
importance and nature of the Sharia, the sacred law and ethics. And then he delves into the Sharia in a very traditional way in terms of the arrangement, which you see in all of the books of Hadith and Fiqh, meaning that he begins with a brief section on the Shahadatain, the first pillar of Islam, you know, the Declaration of Faith. And then very detailed chapter beginning as traditionally with purification, because that is required for the next pillar of Islam, which is prayer. And then from purification, he goes on to the prayer itself, and then the fasting, and then zakat, the charity, the compulsory almsgiving, and then the hajj, etc. But his entire focus is on the inner meanings of all of these practices, as he says at the beginning here, knowing the secret of the sharia. So he describes the outward forms and where they generally agreed upon, like, for example, the, the wudu, the ablution, you know, the, the basic ablution is pretty much agreed upon by all Muslims, only slight difference of opinion on details. Same with the prayer and the fasting, etc. He gives the inner dimensions. Where there is a difference of opinion, he will often mention different views, and then he will mention his own view. So out of these views, I think this is the best one. He will sometimes mention why, meaning because of which verse of the Qur'an or which hadith of the Prophet he takes that view. Sometimes he, he won't mention exactly why he takes that view. And by the way, this proves that he did not stick to a particular madhab. He was an independent mujtahid. So he was able to independently prefer uh, different rulings depending on going back to the basics in terms of the basic evidence of, of the Qur'an and the hadith. And as is well known about his mysticism, it's actually very literal. His his fiqh or his jurisprudence is uh, in many ways a, a bit like Ibn Hazm's, uh, meaning that uh, the outward meaning of the, or the literal meaning of the Quran and Hadith, he will take, but at its most deepest meanings. And that's where all the inner meanings come from. They come from the Arabic language, if you like, and all the different levels of meaning in it. And, and that's very uh, valuable because, uh, well, it resonates from the tradition of fiqh that I was brought up in as well, which I would describe as a holistic approach to to the fiqh, to the jurisprudence of the sharia, where people benefit from all the madhabs holistically, but do not rigidly stick to any one. Uh, but as I said, that's actually a side point because that's the outward uh, rulings. His focus is on the inner meanings uh, which we will get a glimpse of in China as we go through this. So, Bismillah, the, the, the bit of poetry here about the secrets of purification, I'll translate it line by line because it's actually very long. تبصر ترى سر الطهارة واضحا يسيرا على أهل التيقظ والذكاء It says, perceive and you will see the secret of purification is very clear easy for people who are awake and who are intelligent. How many people who are outwardly pure but cannot really be described as having purification if they stay away from the ocean of direct knowledge and they stay away from its boundaries, 
meaning they do not cross into it, its boundaries. Even if a person spent his life diving into the ocean full of waves his whole life, but did not go into the ocean of of re reality or, or, or did not annihilate himself or herself into the ocean of realization of reality, he would not be purified. He or she would not be purified. That's in general terms about purification. He's he's saying basically that, that you know inner purification is essential along with the outer purification. We must have outer purification and inner purification. Otherwise, the outer purification is completely invalid, actually. And then he goes into the details, you see, the very small details, which may seem irrelevant to, to people, but uh, actually, based on the examples he's given, once people are aware of the sacred nature of everything and the outer and inner aspects of everything, which are reflections of the divine names of God himself, the outer and the inner, then people will appreciate this more. When a person cleaned himself with an odd number of stones, then he has walked, he or she has walked on the path or the on the greatest example, the highest example, as an ally of the one who came before, meaning the Prophet peace be upon him. Here's referring to the famous teaching that when people go to onto the court of nature, go to the toilet, they should purify themselves with water. If water is not available, then to use stones and an odd number of stones. And uh, in our days, you could say that, uh, of course, Muslims use water, but if a person using toilet paper, the analogy would be to say, use an odd number of pieces of toilet paper. <laughs> that's like a small detail, but that's the way of keeping up the tradition. And we'll see uh, the next line why it's kind of, it has a significance, it has a symbolism, I think that we should say. That if he uses an even, he or she uses an even number of stones, then he returned as somebody in loss and has separated from the person he loves meaning the Prophet peace be upon him. And here you have the symbolism of the even and the odd. Uh, you know, the, the prayer in total is an odd number of rakats. Uh, the five daily prayers in total, there are 17 rakats. And the sunset prayer is odd, is three rakats. It uh, makes the even uh, number of cycles, the units of the prayer during the day, makes them into an odd by having three. And then at night, the night prayer, the voluntary prayer, obligatory and voluntary prayer is in two, so four and then two, 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 etc. And then you have the witter prayer, the odd prayer to make it one and so to make it odd. And that is all to do with the with the symbolism of the even and the odd, which is mentioned in Surah Al Fajr, where Shaf Al God swears by the even and the odd, which is mathematician will know is uh, it's fundamentally a digital uh, divided digital digital concept. But anyway. The, the point is that um, the even in the world, it reminds us of 
of duality because creation God says of everything we have created things in pairs so that you may reflect so flee to God that's in the end of Surah Al-Dhariyat and so the, the odd number of Rakat in Witter is an important reminder of the oneness of God and to get away from the the duality and the complementarity of creation where everything is created in pairs uh, with that with that oneness with as we see from this teaching referred to in this hadith in, uh, in this poetry it refers to the hadith which says use an odd number of stones uh, just to keep that keep that symbolism okay وَإِنْ غَسَلَ الْكَفَّيْنِ وِتْرًا وَلَمْ يَزَلْ بَخِيلًا بِمَا يَهْوَ عَلَى فِطْرَةِ الْأَوْلَى فَمَا غُسِلَتْ كَفٌّ خَضِيبٌ وَمِعْصَمٌ إِذَا لَمْ يَنُحْ سَيْفُ التَّوْكُلِ مُنْتَضَى if, if, if a person only washes their hands once, then they are being stingy. Uh, regarding... Uh, what is the preferred way to do things? In other words, here he's referring to, he explains elsewhere, that it is well known from the Sunnah of the Prophet that when you do wudu, the minimum is to wash everything once. And if you wish, you can do twice, but the preferred way is to do it three times. Um, once is the bare minimum, especially if you have shortage of water or you're seriously pressed for time, etc. Uh, but he does say here that, you know, he's implying that the best is to do three times, which is an odd number. Uh, and that if you only do it once, especially when uh, when you have the time and you have the water to do so, then actually you're showing a bit of spiritual stinginess. And then he says, فَمَا وَصِلَتْ كَفُنْ خَضِيبٌ وَمِعْصَمُونِ ذَلَمْ يَلُحْ سَيْفُ التَّوَكُّلِ مُنْتَضَى A hand which is dyed, uh, or with anything else which is a barrier to water, has not been washed when the the sword of trust in God, the wakul, in trusting oneself to God, has has not been uh, has not been brandished. So here is referring to the to the well known jurisprudential position that if, if there is a barrier between the water and your skin when you're washing yourself for prayer, for example, certain types of dye, basically impermeable waterproof dye or paint then you haven't washed your hands properly but he's actually saying that uh, washing the hands properly is the inner symbolism the inner meaning is trusting in god it's almost like he's saying you know wash your hands of this world when you wash your hands you're washing your hands of this world and uh, the causes of duality and you you're you're relying totally on god so washing your hand is relying uh, reminding us of tawakkal on allah which is literally in trusting oneself to God and making God your your wakil, your agent. You know, that you just leave everything to God and make God your agent. Because then God does things on your behalf and you don't have to worry about it. And that's really important. It's something as simple as washing your hand for Shaykh Al-Akbar is a powerful reminder of trusting in God. And he continued in that way. If you wash your face correctly, then your shame and modesty is correct. 
and also is correct for you the lifting of the curtains or veils whenever you wish. So this is in addition to what the Prophet said is washing your face cleanses the sins of the eyes. He says also that washing the, the face done correctly, the inner meaning is to have correct shame and modesty. It's almost as if he's saying is, is that uh, if you've done something wrong, you see, if, you, if you're shameless, then you can't look people in the eye, right? Uh, in English, you can't hold your held up, you can't hold your head up high and look people in the face. That if you wash your face outwardly and inwardly, meaning by acting with integrity, etc., with the correct modesty and and shame, with not being shameless, then then you can hold your head up high in life, and the veil will be lifted for you whenever you wish. By the way, what I learned from another scholar, Akishik Ibn Uthaymin, is that uh, another place where the, the veils are lifted is when you raise your hand in prayer. When we raise our hand in prayer, so the people of knowledge say that's, uh, because we do that, that symbolizes the, the lifting of the veil between us and God. That's why we do it, especially at the beginning of the prayer and also during the prayer as well. So, uh, you know, these are the inner meaning which come to every detail. If water does not touch the person's head, nor, nor the nape of his or her neck, then that person has not released himself from the chains of slavery. Uh, which is an astonishing teaching as well, actually. Okay, famously, according to the command of the Quran, we must wipe our heads in uh, in ablution. And based on the hadith, the two ears are part of the head. So when we wipe our head, we also wipe our ears, because the ears are regarded as part of the head. And this detail is disputed about the nape of the neck, whether you wipe your neck or not. And it's famously there's hadith on it, which are disputed authenticity. So the different jurists disagree as to whether you must wipe your neck or whether you mustn't get it regarded as an innovation based on weak hadith. So there's difference of opinion there, uh, which he doesn't delve into here, not in the poetry. But he's clearly recommending it, actually. But he's saying the symbolism, the inner meaning is to free yourself from slavery, from the chain of slavery, because if we think about the yoke of slavery, slaves in the old days were literally chained by the necks and sometimes by the head as well, or with a cloth over the head, uh, etc., or, or were dragged, dragged by the head as slaves. So again, he's saying, liberate yourself from attachment to this world, effectively, and be a, a, a true servant of God by wiping your head and your neck, even in ablution. He continued, If you don't see the footstool when washing your feet, then the meaning of purification at the time has reduced and has disappeared. So an extraordinary statement because 
he uses the word kursi here, which is often translated throne, the throne of God, you know, ayatul kursi, the verse of the throne. But technically in the Quran, there's two words for the throne. There's al-arsh, which is in Arabic, the more usual word for the throne um, of kings and queens, for example. There's also kursi, which literally means a chair or a seat, and it can be used for the throne. But it also means a footstool. And we see that in the commentary of the of the verse of the Ayatul uh, Kursi. And one of the meaning of Kursi is actually not the throne, but the footstool. So the, the kings and queens would, would have a, a throne and would also have a footstool to rest their feet on. And here he rela relates that meaning of the footstool to washing the feet. It's as if he's saying that this is God's earth that we're walking on. So wash your feet, have your feet pure. And of course, don't use your feet to do something uh, wrong or evil or sinful, but uh, it, and obviously this is a very mystical thing to say. You're saying that if you do that truly, you would actually see the footstool, see the footstool of God. In other words, you see the uh, all of creation as God's earth. Right? God's throne or footstool encompasses the heavens and the earth. Then he continued, Then when the person rinses their mouth, but is, is not free of false claims, or, or being somebody who fulfills what they claim, meaning he's saying is, rinsing your mouth is is useless if you're used to speaking lies and falsehood. So in other words, rinsing the mouth is, uh, especially basically the tongue, is cleansing yourself of the sins of the tongue, which is speaking falsehood, uh, you know, just being horrible with the tongue, or also being false, being false witness, lacking honesty and integrity, etc. Then he says, when a person inhales the water into their nostrils, then they are smelling the smell of their connection with God. Because water symbolizes being and uh, spirituality and faith, effectively, uh, and, and the life, the spiritual life, as God said, we made everything living out of water. So water symbolizes being and spirituality and, and life, spiritual life. So it's just literally something as simple as that, inhaling water into your nostril is smelling your connection with, with God, actually, because smelling is a connection with whatever you smell. And the ultimate uh, connection is that with God. And when you snort it out, or when you breathe that water out, he says, then you... Get rid of your pride and arrogance, uh, which is very demeaning, which is again extraordinary, because w when you breathe the water out of, uh, as part of purification, that people will often use their nostrils to snort, you know, to uh, to breathe out in a way of pride or arrogance. Literally, people snort out of pride and arrogance, and he's saying here that uh, breathe that water out because it is water, which is you know, which is sacred and symbolizing symbolizes spirituality, being, and faith, and that's keeping you away from pride. 
سما خاه مات الفك تطهر إن صغى إلى أحسن الأخوال واكتفى واكتفى Now he talks about the air holes. Simach is you know, the hole of your ear, the canal of your ear. He said, you wipe your ears. You clean the ears inwardly and outwardly, actually, the inside and the outside as well. Which, by the way, you know, in English culture, it is often said that, uh, you know, little boys and girls, they're dirty if they don't wash behind the ears. Washing behind the ears is something uh, really important in traditional English culture. But by the grace of God, the Muslim tradition that's taught from a very young age you can always clean the inside and the outside you wash behind the ears so he said you wipe behind the ears but anyway uh, he's saying your area is not being purified if you if unless you're listening to the best of speech and sufficing with that meaning you know don't listen to vain speech idle talk evil talk which is talking evil about other people or plotting uh, words of evil and using bad words, basically bad speech, but listen only to good speech. That is a symbolism of wiping the ears. And he says, وَإِنْ لَبِسَ الْجُرْمُوكَ وَهُوَ مُسَافِرُونَ عَلَىٰ طُهْرِهِ يَمْسَحُ وَفِي سَرِّهِ خَفَةً And if the person is wearing leather socks and is traveling after purifying themselves, then he's allowed to wipe, he or she is allowed to wipe. The socks, this is, this is well known when, for wearing socks, especially leather socks is that a person is allowed to wipe the feet and not to wash them. That's in Sunni jurisprudence, we have to say. Because in Shia jurisprudence, it is one only has to wipe the feet anyway. You don't wash the feet. And and this is a completely valid difference of opinion based on different reading of the Quran. In the verse of the Quran, basically, to paraphrase, there's one verse of the Quran, really, which uh, gives the, describes the wudu, the ablution in great detail in Surah Al-Ma'idah. Where God says basically, when you stand for prayer, wash your hands and face and arms to the elbow, wipe your head, and then your feet to the ankles. So he mentioned washing and wiping, and then he says, then your feet to the ankles. So it's actually ambiguous in a sense as to whether you wash your feet or wipe your feet. And so if it's recited, that means wash your feet. If you say, just the difference of the A and the E, difference in one vowel, makes a difference between washing and wiping the feet. And in Shia jurisprudence, uh, because that was the reading of the Quran by Sayyidina Ali, Imam Ali radiallahu anhu, it is wiping the, the feet. And in other reading of the Quran, it is washing the feet. The Sunni tradition has combined the two by saying, normally you wash your feet. But if you're wearing socks, especially leather socks, then you can wipe your feet. Uh, but up to a maximum of one day when you're at home or resident, and up to three days when you're traveling. But here he said, You can wipe up your leather socks, but internally, secretly, he said, your feet gleam with lightning. So again, incredible statement. He's using a play on words here. Because the usual word for leather socks is khuf. And khafa, related word khafa, means the gleam of lightning, especially the sideward gleam of lightning. So here, in the main first line of that couplet, if you like, he uses the word jurmuk, which is another word for sock, or leather sock. But he uses the play on words uh, for, for the other main word, khuf, which is khafa. So literally, uh, wiping your, your socks, the inner aspect of it is flashing with light. 
الذي مين ذا لايت اوف جود ثلاثة أيام وإن كان حاضرا بمنزله في المسح يوم بلا قضاء That's three days for wiping when you're traveling and when you're resident at home then you can wipe for one day without uh, without having to make up anything So that line actually purely in the outward details وفي المسح سر لا أبوح بذكره ولو قطعت مني المفاصل والكلى And in wiping there is a secret which I will not openly men I will not openly mention even if the parts of my body were cut up, even if I was dismembered. Again, an astonishing thing he says that there is a secret about wiping which uh, which I will not mention, even if my body is dis dismembered. وَيَثْلُوهُ مَسْحٌ فِي الْجَبَائِلِ بَيِّنٌ لِكُلِّ مُرِيدٍ لَمْ يَرِدْ لَمْ يُرِدْ ظَاهِرَ الدُّنَا And he says, similarly, next is also wiping over bandages. There is a clear secret for every seeker who does not seek the outward aspect of this world. Uh, so, you know, he doesn't mention that secret. And, uh, you know, astaghfirullah, it, it uh, it obviously engages the curiosity as to, as, as to what it, it is. Allah knows best. My understanding, the only indication I can think of is that it is a very obvious, literal one, which is masah, wiping. It's the Quranic word, of course. Is the word from which we get Masih, which is the anointed one, or the Christ, in other words. So Isa, salam. What he's actually, he seems to be indicating that uh, when we wipe the head, and possibly the feet as well, that there is an element of uh, following the path of Jesus Christ here, because he, he is the Messiah, uh, the Christ. And when he mentions wiping of the bandage, because again, that's uh, you know well-known dispute in, in, in Jewish prudence. But again, Sheikh Al-Akbar is endorsing wiping over the bandage because the different opinions, some jurors say, because if you've bandaged your arm or hand or, or leg, you know, you've had an injury, and water might be dangerous if, to wash there. So a lot of jurors say you can actually wipe. And it's based on various disputed hadiths, again, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, is said to have given the permission to wipe over a bandage for good medical reasons, uh, which I believe to be the correct view as well. But there's a strong hadith and also they make sense logically and avoid any medical harm to people. And that is clearly Sheikh Al-Ottman's view here as well. But again, I think what he's getting at is that the word for bandage, which is Jabira, is related to the divine name Jabbar. Uh, Al-Jabbar is the same word, the one who one of the meaning of al-jabbar is the one who repairs what is broken. And that's why a bandage is called jabira in Arabic. You say word jabbar, because the bandage helps to repair broken bones and injured skin, etc. So he's talking about uh, wiping or literally anointing in a Christ-like way, Messiah type way, of what is broken or, or what is hurt. So he's repairing the, the broken heart or, or the broken being. And that is the secret he seems to be referring to. He actually said, I'm not actually going to mention it, even if I was uh, 
uh, cut up, uh, which is reminiscent of what Abu Huraira famously said, that he learned two huge vessels of knowledge from the Prophet peace be upon him, one which he is very happy to teach and the other one which he, he is reluctant to teach because otherwise he would be killed. And that's a famous teaching in the Sufis and mystics. So, uh, you know, suffer Allah, seek Allah's forgiveness, if I'm not supposed to say that, actually. Uh, as to what uh, Sheikh Abu is referring to, because he himself didn't want to hear. Wallahu alam. God knows best. And then just a few more lines. وَإِنْ عَدِبَ الْمَاءَ الْقُرَاحَ فَإِنَّهُ تَيَمُّمُهُ يَكْفِيهِ مِنْ طَيِّبِ الثَّرَةِ If the water is non-existent, then his, his seeking, his seeking towards uh, the... Uh, the, the soil of the earth is enough for him uh, from the good, the pure soil of the earth. That's why Tayyamum, uh, so famously, if one doesn't have water or, or one is sick and you're not able to wash oneself according to the Quranic commandment, you use the pure soil of the earth and you symbolically wipe your hands and face, your face and hands in that order in the Quran with pure earth or soil or you know, stone or brick, uh, whatever, uh, is equivalent to the soil of the earth. But the word tayyamum itself means to to seek something, uh, to head towards something. Uh, so anyway, there he uh, there he doesn't really talk about the inner aspect, unless you you could see an inner aspect of the tayyib of. Uh, because the Quran says, In other words, says, Do not make your objective what is filthy and wrong to, to uh, giving charity out of it. Meaning, when you give charity, give of the best of your wealth, property, and, and money, etc. Don't give the worst of your wealth in charity. That's not good charity. That's a Quranic commandment. Give the best of your wealth in charity. So there is a slight inner meaning there, which is to motivate yourself towards uh, the goodness, the pureness of the soil of the earth. So the pure soil that you use to wipe with is symbolic of purity in all aspects. So you wipe your face and hands or palms an odd number of times with the that pure soil of the earth. But if you do not do that a uh, number of times, but you make it even, then that is good also. So here actually it is different to the stones for purification. You say that it's okay whether you do that tayammum with the soil uh, an odd number of times, that like one or three, or whether you do it twice, it's all right here. إِذَا أَجْنَبَ الْإِنسَانُ عَمَّ now he talks about major sexual impurity, that uh, when there's sexual activity, and especially sexual discharge, then the, the outer ruling is that we wash the whole body. We have to, today's term, have a shower, but basically to wash the whole body from top to toe. So he said when the person, when the human being reaches sexual impurity, then his purification is general, meaning the whole body, top to toe. Just as the pleasures covered an entire body 
from top to toe. This is one of his famous teaching, which is, you know, why do we? For normal going to the toilet, you wash certain parts of the body uh, to purify ourselves for prayer. Face, hands, arms, wipe the head, wash or wipe the feet. But uh, if there's sexual impurity, why do we have to cover the whole body? Well, Shepard, as he explains elsewhere, he says that in, in in sexual activity, especially orgasm, he says the entire body takes part in that pleasure. And he says that, that pleasure is based on enjoying the pleasures of creation of another human being, your sexual partner. And he says that is something good, which of course is sacred, and which God has created in us naturally and has, has commanded to do in a halal and awful way. But he said after we enjoy that, and the whole body takes part in that, every fiber of a person's being, if you like, or body enjoys that, then God has ordained us to wash and purify our entire body, outwardly and inwardly, to remind ourselves that now we're standing before God again, we have to detach ourselves from that from the pleasures and the lusts of creation of our of our created self. And, and that is a very, very powerful and, and deep meaning, which is uh being very famous for. Here he's put it in political terms. Then he continues, do you not see that God has reminded his creation that he brought them out from, from between the back and the loins, basically? And so that is what ripens for him the fruit of his loins, he's saying, through his purification, through his her purification. And if it was not to do, if it was not to do that, and was heedless of the of the pure self, then that fruit would not ripen. So the fruit is implied here because he uses the word jana and ajana, which which is which means when fruit ripens on the tree, he's basically talking about the the fruit of our loins, and he's referring to surat al-tariq, sulbi God says that. You know, look at, at how we created you. Let the human being look to what he or she was created from. He or she was created from a water or liquid that burst forth, coming out from between the back and the loins. And of course, there's many different interpretations of the details of that. But, uh, you know, with our knowledge today, we can say that because it refers to both the liquid, which is ejected from both male and female during sexual intercourse. But that's like the fruit of the mind, what we'd say is the, the sperm and the egg, for example. But here he's saying that, you know, this is spiritual etiquette. If, if we don't purify ourselves in the correct way, outwardly and inwardly, then the fruit of our loins will not ripen properly. Uh, so, in other words, to maintain purity there, and especially purity of our children, or the maximum goodness, is to maintain that spiritual etiquette of, of washing top to toe. And by the, by the grace of God, then all the fruits of sexual activity uh, have begin 
with a purified nature. Of course, they continue in life in many different ways. If a person forgets a major pillar of their worship, then they must repeat it and must make up for what was missed. Here is actually talking about prayer, actually. Uh, although it could be applied to the purification as well. When he continues his formal lines, if what he, he or she missed is not a pillar of the practice, but it is a tradition of the Prophet, an example of the Prophet, then that person has not reached the nearest ranks and has not attained the highest desires. So, so here he's emphasizing, you know, the spirit of, of the Sharia, of the juridical rulings, where it is well known that the jurists especially are very good at saying, you know, you have all these actions in the wudu and in the prayer. Some of them are rukun, absolute pillars, without which it is invalid and you must do it again, repeat it. Others are uh, completion, the sunnah, the traditions. It is very important to do them, but if you don't do them, then your prayer or purification is still valid and you don't have to repeat it again. And he just makes the inward point, the spiritual etiquette, is that it is best to do those uh, completions because that's how you get closest to God yeah. basically and reach the highest levels and he says explicitly and that is in all the acts of worship it uh, applies to all so it does apply to purification prayer, fasting, charity, pilgrimage everything actually and then he says a person who is extremely ignorant of these matters is not like the one who knows. Right? So in other words, saying it's important to have knowledge of these matters for the spiritual purification reasons and for effective action in the world as well. So this is the purification of the Gnostics. He says, so if you, dear reader, in the singular, are of their number or of their party, then you have attained the portion of coming close to the chosen one, meaning the Prophet peace be upon him. Right? So he said, yeah. the purification of, of the knowers, of the Gnostics, people who truly know God. In other words, this is the penultimate line of this poem where he's talked about the inner aspects of, of so many details, 14 or 15 details. Of the outward purification. إذا كان هذا ظاهر الأمر فالذي تبارى عن الأبصار أعظم من تشاء. He said, and if this is the obvious or apparent aspect of the matter, then the other aspects which are hidden from the sights and the perceptions is even more magnificent in its in its nature in its scope. So I'm actually not going to repeat the, those. Uh, there's th 14 or 15 points of inner aspects of the purification there, which are very deeply profound. And, and he says, if you do that, the outer and the inner aspect, that is the purification of the Gnostics. 